Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you felt like you would give up nearly anything to get it? There are many pleasures in this life that will tell you that they can give you fulfillment or happiness or meaning. But I believe that each and every one of us have reached that point where we finally get that something that we want, only to discover that all it ultimately held for us was disappointment. And so we move on to the next thing, and then the next and the next, and some of us are left wondering, is there even a purpose to our lives? Did you know that God understands that we need fulfillment? It's how He created us, and He didn't leave us without an answer. God has given us the answer to a fulfilled life, and that answer is found in a promise. But it's a promise that sometimes we don't want to hear. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Some of us are engaged in such a determined pursuit of a fulfilling life that we are passing right by the only one who can truly give us life. The issue is not that life is a bad thing. God desires us to have life and life to the full. However, the issue is that some of us have made life a bigger thing than Jesus. We have chosen the pursuit of life over the pursuit of Christ. The question Jesus is asking us in Matthew 16, 25 is, what am I worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you and me? He made it very clear what we were worth to him when he gave up his life for us in a horribly tragic and painful way. He made it very clear what we were worth to him when he allowed himself to be crucified for something he did not do, for something we did. Galatians 2.20 is a powerful statement that we as believers need to live by. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. A life of pursuit after Jesus is a life of friendship with him. When we choose to seek him first, he fills us with his Holy Spirit and he lives in us. When that happens, we're no longer looking to receive life from the things we see or the things we can get. Once that happens, we're walking in the life that he provides. And that is a life worth living. So this evening we're starting a series called The Priceless Pursuit. The Priceless Pursuit. And this past week, two weeks, we were doing, um, I was doing ministry school. And what we had to start doing is we had to start interviewing different world religions. So we had to meet people who, who doesn't necessarily associate themselves with um, Christianity or with the faith as we know it. They have different views and different belief systems. And, and it, in this week and 
And I, I just realized how close we need to stay to Jesus. How close we need to. I, I came from an interview. So I did an interview with, with a Jehovah Witness. For those of you who know, and I did an interview with a Mormon. And then you do an interview with someone who is um, LGBT. And, and you ask questions and saying, where's the Christian community at with it? And what are the tensions we are facing in it? And, and how are we addressing it? And, and some of my, my interviews, I really came back struck. So I really came back almost vulnerable um, in a way. Because Scripture is foundational for both of these guys. But the way they use it and the way they bring it forth, you think you'll be standing lest you're falling. And so... Uh, it's so in timing with today's word because the word of today is the pursuit of Jesus and how we must pursue Him. Because if you look at both of these religions, both of them deny the deity, the sovereignty of Jesus. Both of them saying Jesus is not as authoritative as He is. One side says He, he was merely... Uh, a, an example for us on earth to how to worship the Father. But worship doesn't belong to Him. And the other side says, merely saying, He's merely flesh and bone. And He was also created by God. So there's no authority. So there's no, so both sides deny the Trinity. So where we would say there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the three are one, both of them say, it's no, it's not like that. And, and it really, really touched me again in my heart to say, am I close to Jesus? Am I, stay, am I staying close to Him? And as well, are we reaching these people? Are we reaching them? And it, sometimes it takes years. Um, because you know when you reach people like that, um, they, are, they are the greatest people. So don't label them wrong. Don't get them wrong in that sense. They are, they are excellent. Man, I love the guys that I'm reaching out to. But um, what they believe is heavily rooted in them, and, and, and it doesn't take our reasoning. I remember I was reaching out to a Jehovah Witness. I'm actually still, we're good friends as well, uh, for the last maybe about a year. And for the first three or four months, I reasoned with my logic as far as I can. So Jehovah Witnesses are all about logic reasoning. Everything can be explained. So if you tell them, Ephesians 4 says, that marriage is, the, is a profound mystery, they'll explain to you the mystery. They'll explain, they have a definition for it. Um, and that becomes hectic. And then I reason and I realize if the Holy Spirit doesn't do the work, man, I'm useless in that place. So I'm just like we sang in that song, I'm a vessel. I'm there so that the Spirit can move. And I don't have all the answers and all that. But this evening, we're going to talk about the pursuit of Jesus. And guys, I want to encourage you, as I encourage you with the two words, is we've got to stay close to Jesus. We underestimate His value. Um, the Holy Spirit really pressed on my heart. I, um, I, I came to, uh, to the church. Our car is in for service. And I came to church with, with, a, with a cab, with a taxi. And I, in, my, in my ears, I'm listening to the song, Commission My Soul. Who of you know that song? Commission my soul. What does it go on like that? Commission my soul for the passion for the lost. I'm listening to this sitting with a lost person. Imagine that. And I thought, what am I actually doing? Like, I'm supposed to 
get these guys to Jesus. I assumed obviously the person was lost, but that once again is we are so privileged where we are, uh, where we are living and we have so much availability to songs and to words and to sermons that we sometimes become so numb to what we actually have that we think we are pursuing Jesus, but we have all boxed it in this religious box and basically what we are doing is we are ticking boxes but we're thinking we're going after Jesus. And Paul actually is going to explain it to us and, and his credentials and the things he had that he actually had to give up to follow Jesus. So, like I said this evening, we're going to talk about the priceless pursuit of Jesus. If you have to look at your life personally, don't say it out loud in your heart, and you have to scale yourself from a 1 to 10. I like the scale system. So if you scale yourself on a 1 to 10, how are you pursuing Jesus? How are you pursuing Him? Scale of 1 to 10. How eagerly, satisfying, passionately, hungry, thirsty are you pursuing after the person, Jesus Christ? In your heart, just in your heart. How, <laughs> just stay it in your heart. Imagine, imagine you had a screen on your head and everybody could see your, your radar. Um, <laughs> I think some of us won't come to church on some days, <laughs> you know, when the radar lies low. But how, how are you currently pursuing Jesus? Because you see, life at this point offers us plenty of things to pursue. Plenty. There's plenty things to achieve. There's plenty things to go after. There's plenty things that we can put in the front and say, we are going after. And some of these things, we put them even there and say, we are doing it in the name of Jesus. Whereby the thing is in front and Jesus is here with us at the back. But we are pursuing this thing. Whereby we are supposed to be pursuing Jesus. And whatever your goal or your ambitions are here with you, while you are pursuing Him the whole time. So what are you pursuing? If it's not Jesus, what could it be? So life offers us titles. Um, life offers us degrees, uh, master's degrees, honors, whatever you can get, it offers us. So here what I'm saying is this is not the wrong thing, but the moment it becomes the pursuit, it's the wrong thing. So it can be cars, it can be luxury, even, even me preaching can become a wrong pursuit. I can come and preach because of what it offers me, of how it feels, of the claps and the amens and the, the statements and the one-liners and the punchlines and everything I can put in that get people posting and on Facebook and I'm all over and I start living for that thrill. So therefore, we have to protect our pursuit of Jesus. Not the person, not the idea or the, the person, Jesus Christ. We have to go after Him because we can continue on pursuing holidays. Imagine that you can pursue one holiday after the other. All you want to do is go on holiday. All you want to do is see another nation and you, you stop pursuing Christ. And we will pay great prizes for our pursuits. Great prizes. Great prizes. Maybe if you think, what's, what's, the, what's the latest thing that you paid a great price for? What's the latest thing? Maybe a car, maybe your time if you were studying. 
I'm, I'm studying. So I, I do self-study. I just want to defend myself. But, but I'm studying for the first time part of like a school and all this. I, 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 I studied. The moment I got saved, I started studying, but very self. Um, and I'm, for the first time, I'm studying in the Every Nation Ministry School, and it's costing me. Man, it's costing me. It's costing me so much time. Um, and it's like for, for, for uh, sometimes it, it's too much for me because I'm not used to sacrificing. So if you have studied in all those late nights, I don't know those late night things. I know how to work late night, but I don't know how to study late nights. <laughs> so what we go after, then we pay prizes for these things. But what's the biggest price you have paid to pursue Jesus lately? What have you paid? What have you given up to go after the person? Jesus Christ. I want to say the person because sometimes we have an image or an idea or a concept. But there's this person, Jesus Christ, that we need to go after. And what have you recently paid? What have you recently sacrificed? What did you recently give up to pursue Jesus Christ? And our whole message will come out of Philippians 3. So you can open your Bibles in Philippians 3, where Paul was writing to, the, to Philippi, and he was in prison at the moment, writing to these guys and saying, I, I don't mind doing this. It's actually good for you if I do this. And he writes them this whole message in Philippians 3, and it is so rich. Guys, for the last five years I've been preparing messages. This was one of the most wrestling messages that I had to prepare. Because you see, when you prepare a message, it's easy to come with, with do's and don'ts. It's easy to come with, with insight, not insight rather, but, but what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. But it's so much when, when the scripture itself, this message itself needs to be birthed in me. It needs to work itself out in me. Because otherwise, I'm a, not, I'm, I'm a hypocrite in a stage. Because what I'm preaching is not what I'm believing. So this week, I wrestled with this scripture saying, Lord, you need to do this in me. Because my pursuit of Jesus is also at risk here. I need to pursue you. As much as I'm working for the church and I'm working in ministry, you guys probably think we're always on the pursuit of Jesus. But we can get lost in the pursuit of the, of the success of ministry. I can get lost in it. And so we need to constantly be on the guard. And you need to be constantly be on the guard of pursuing the person, Jesus Christ. So let's just read together and then we'll pray together. So finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. That is, the mutilate the flesh means it's a false circumcision. That's what he was referencing to there. Um, the, fle the flesh. So for we are the circumcision. For we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, and I'm blameless. That's what Paul says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. That verse 7, that first but is a big but. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them 
as rubbish. Or the other word is dung. As poo. I counted it as poo. In order that I may gain Christ. And be found in Him and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, and I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. That was the Word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so aware that you want to come and do a mighty work in all of us, God, including me, God. Lord, we sang tonight that we are your vessels. God, we sang tonight that we have nothing. We are here with nothing, Lord, and come and do everything. Come and do whatever you want to do, Lord. And God, I thank you that tonight, God, if we were not pursuing you, Jesus, that we will pursue you again faithfully, Lord. God, and if we have been pursuing you, God, keep us in the path of pursuing you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you will arise in us, God, a time and a people, Lord, that is just sold out for you, God. That we will use the words constantly and things, this is rubbish, for the sake of knowing you, Lord. God, I pray that you protect us um, against familiarity, Lord against that comfort, God, against that norm, against the availability of so many things, God, that we think we're following you at stages, God, but maybe we're not. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come and speak to us, encourage us, build us up and sustain us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you can go there to the first point. No confidence in the flesh. So for us to pursue Jesus, we're going to look at three points out of chapter 3. The first one says, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write to you the same things to you. is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Okay? Look out for them. So, because it says, for we are the circumcision. So it says in terms of, and circumcision was that time a thing they done to, to put you and recognize you as part of the elite or part of the chosen, right? So they, they circumcise you. So for us in our context, we're not used to that. We don't know that maybe so well. But it means almost like if someone tells you, you need to do X, Y, and Z to be part of Christ's community. So you need to work your way into the, in the kingdom. That's what he's basically referring. So if you come, like I mentioned, from a, a Jehovah Witness background, if you come from a Mormon background, a Buddhist background, Islam background, you will actually understand what he's actually talking about. Because for them, it's working their way in. There's things they need to keep on keeping to get into the kingdom of God, to get saved, to get salvation. And then he goes on, for we are the circumcision. For we worship. What do we do? What do believers do? We worship by the Spirit of God and we glory in Christ Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh. So one of the key things that Paul is showing us here that if we want to go after Christ, we need to put no confidence, not partial confidence, not, Lord, I, I have it in control at work, but I, when I'm alone at home, help me. Not that. 
It's not a partiality. It says no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the flesh. And see, Paul clearly showed us he has confidence for the flesh. He says, I've been circumcised on the eighth day. You can just remain there. I've been circumcised on the eighth day as I read. I'm from the people of Israel. I was the chosen people. I'm a tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a persecutor of the church. I'm righteous under the law. Imagine such a claim. 613 laws and he says, I'm righteous. I'm righteous under the law. I'm blameless. Imagine the confidence, the way he devoted his life to this type of living and to what he had. And he says, I'm righteous under the law. So what Paul was telling us that no confidence in the flesh is essential for pursuing Jesus. It's essential. Because see, a confidence in a flesh can be very misleading. It can actually make you think you're going after Jesus, but you're not gaining Him at all. It misleads you. It misleads you. And, and I think of me, if I give you an example of a misleading confidence in my own flesh, I've been saved for the five, last five years, and I probably can count on my left hand how many times I Days I didn't read the Bible in five years that I skipped reading my Bible. But at a stage, this became my, my confidence. I got confidence in my discipline. So am I saying don't read your Bible every day? No. But I'm say, I, I became so confident in my discipline that my discipline almost were my, my approval. If I had to say I'm righteous under the law, I would have ticked that box. I'm disciplined in reading my Bible. And at many times, it, I was just, I read it out of discipline. Sometimes it's great because the Word always washes you. But I read it and read it and read it. And sometimes I don't even receive anything. Because it, I came and I read constantly from a place of discipline. And the same can happen when we, when we, serve, just, when we serve here in church. So you, you create this box where you tick. Who of you have ever done it? Let me... Let me Make it, maybe, let me let, experience what I'm saying. Who of you have come home, late night maybe, and you thought to yourself, yes, I need to read and pray before I go to bed. And you opened, you read the verse, you prayed your prayer, you closed, and you ticked your box. And there you go. You see, that is a religious box we put in. And we say, that, that gave us the approval. Because if we think of the things Paul mentioned, Everything was approved and recognized and applauded by men. Everything. It was, it was there. So if I tell you, I've not missed reading my Bible in the last five years, I get your approval. You'll be it's like, man, how do you do that? I sometimes read once a week. So you look and you can approve me by it, but I can miss Jesus in that whole process. I can miss going after Him in that whole process. So like I said, Paul's things were approved. It was recognized by men. But would, would Paul be in heaven now at this point if those were his thick boxes and he never met Christ at Damascus? You see, the confidence in, confidence in our flesh can be extremely misleading. It can make us tick those boxes, but we never meet Christ. And especially coming from if we grow up in a very religious background, we are used to coming to church. But if you come to church 
to draw your square and tick your box, you're not coming to meet Jesus. You're not coming to experiencing Him. You're coming maybe for the experience, but you're not coming to experience Him. You're maybe coming for the jokes and for the humor in our preaching, but you're, and, you're, and for the atmosphere and the people, but you're not coming to say, God, I want to come and see you today. I'm expectant. And I was in that trap for a while. I'm telling you, I work for the church, but these things happen to us. I don't know how. I'm always at church. But it happened that I had so little expectation of a Sunday. Little. I came in because it was my norm. I came in and it's what I do. And I think about a year ago, maybe not even a year, a few months ago, the Lord really started changing my expectation towards a Sunday. Saying, Lord, I'm expectant of your move. I'm expectant of what you're coming to do. And you could be sitting here tonight because of your box. But you could as well, you can break that box right now and say, I take this box away and I'm going to receive this message because I want to pursue Jesus. And see, so we need to get, we get away from the boxes we draw. And we can do that everywhere. Every single place you go in life, you can start drawing up your box and you can start ticking. Start ticking. And people are approving. People look at you and say, man, what a faithful servant. How good are they doing it? And they just tick. Even in your work, you can be ticked. And you get approved and you get upgraded and you get promoted and men approve you. But you have left Jesus behind in this whole process. Because all your confidence is that inability, that hard work, that hours you put in. That you no longer say, Lord, I want to be promoted to experience you. I want to see you. I'm after you. First and foremost. You see, so we need to watch out that we don't create these boxes and men are ticking them. But we are stop pursuing the one and only Jesus Christ. See, He's our confidence. He's our confidence. He's the one we stand in. He's the one we boast in. He's the one we rejoice in. It says He's the one we glory in. We glory in Christ as of the circumstances. So if you're a believer, you glory in Christ. And the second point that Paul says, I, need, I, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for His sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. So secondly, that is vital to your pursuit of Jesus, is counting things at a loss. Now counting things at a loss happens and should happen at salvation. It should happen there. Paul Literally explained it here. So it should happen there. And, and Matthew, Matthew supports that. Let's just go for support scripture before you think I'm lying. Um, the next one. It says the kingdom of heaven. No, before this one. Yes. So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And those are hard words. He says you cannot be my disciple. And I thought of it. I could be wrong here, I could be right here. This was my own interpretation at the moment. You could be saved. Because a disciple is someone who follows someone. So you could have been receiving salvation. 
but you have not renounced everything, meaning you're not following Jesus. You could have salvation, and you could think you're fine, but you have stopped following. So you have gone through the rhythms of ticking, but you have not renounced. Renounced meaning letting go. So it says if we don't renounce all that we have, we cannot. Not you can, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus if you don't renounce everything. Here's another scripture. The next one. Uh, Matthew 13 verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy. Then in his joy. So when you renounce, you renounce with joy. When you put aside your fleshly things, you do it with joy. When you put Jesus in front, you don't do it with sadness. You do it with joy. Because sometimes like that rich man who had to sell everything and he, he looked at Jesus like, man, I'm not doing that. I love my riches. I love my flesh. I love my confidence. He says, and he goes and he sells everything that he has and he buys that field. So it means he sells everything he has. He renounces everything and he goes after Jesus. That's what it says. He sells everything. He leaves everything behind. And for us, what are you busy leaving behind? You know, when we get home, there's so many things. These things uh, and these things. And they are the same thing with doing more. And, and there's TVs and there's all these things. And, and are you actually leaving those things? Have you ever, have you, are you currently fighting? For your time with Jesus? Like, are you fighting for it? Are you fighting on those tired days, those heavy nights, those long days, those long hours, those, those, di- those days where you're totally off and you can do what you want to, but the last thing you want to do is read your Bible? Are you fighting for those days? Are you fighting to renounce those barriers? I preached the message last year where it says, Flee your distractions. Are you fighting to flee your distractions? Because a distraction has one purpose, is to disconnect you from Christ. It's all its purpose. It disconnects you from Christ. So it keeps you from renouncing. It keeps you from selling everything and going after the person, Jesus Christ. So who of you, who of you have fought for your time with Jesus recently? And I'm telling you, it's a war. The Bible explains it. The Bible is clear that we, we are not in a time of Oh, bless the Lord for the rain. Uh, amen. <laughs> I'm hearing it. <laughs> but when, when last have you fought for your time with the Lord? And I want to tell you, it's vital to your pursuit of Jesus. It is vital. And when you fight, when you fight the week, and the next week you're struggling, keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. Because you know tonight you're going to be stirred up, you're going to be fired up, and you're going to want to pursue Jesus. But it's all about endurance. You've got to endure this. And it's great what you're experiencing. You have to experience it. Sometimes the Lord gets us started through what this you experience you're having now and, and what He's doing in your heart. But you've got to take it and endure it. You've got to say, Lord, now you've got to plant it in my heart. And you say, Lord, make me sensitive to the things that I'm not renouncing. To the things that I'm not, that I'm not putting aside and I'm fighting for you. You know, at times, this is really me to be honest with you, man, I read my Bible so great when I have a good night's sleep and I can wake up well and I'm, I'm, I'm well in reading it. But those days that I have to fight, I struggle as well. 
And we need to keep on fighting for our time with Jesus. It's not that I don't read, but it's my depth of reading. It's my level of expectation that gets hindered. It's, my, it's what I'm trusting God to get out of it and to receive from it. And there is a good side. There is a natural side to, to pursuing Jesus where you, you use your intellect. You use your, your common sense to read and to understand things. But there's the side where you've got to fight because you've got to feel the soul. You've got to feel because the flesh is contending for you. The flesh wants you. He wants to draw you over to a side where you give up, to where you depend on Him, where you go and please it. But you need to keep on fighting. So let's define what it means to count everything as a loss. Counting everything as a loss means we must, uh, if we must choose between Christ and anything else, we will choose Christ. That's what counting the loss means. If you got it to, it's not that God brings us to points where you always have to choose. But the moment He puts you in a position or the moment you are in a position where you need to choose against this or Christ, that your heart and you're in line and you're prepared to say, I'm with Christ. One. Second thing, what it means to count everything as a loss or renounce everything means that we will deal with everything in ways that draws us near to Christ. In everything you do, you'll do it in a way that it draws you near to Christ so that you can gain Christ and enjoy more of Him by the way you relate to everything. So you do everything to draw nearer to Christ. You do everything to enjoy Him more. This is sometimes a far-fetched or a far concept of where we are. Because we know how to read and we know how to read that verse of the day on your Bible app. But we hardly know how to draw near to Jesus. How to, how to draw nearer. How to, how to get joy from Jesus. We, we, we live for the, the, the experiences. But we don't live for the emotion. When, when God cares about your emotion. When He puts joy in you. When he, when he wants to come and satisfy you. It's not just that experience. That joy, that satisfaction remains. And you constantly need to draw to that. So what that means is what I said is that we will embrace everything pleasant by being thankful to Christ. And we will endure everything hurtful by being patient through Christ. Okay? So renouncing or counting everything as a loss means that we will seek to deal with the things of this world in ways that show that we have, that show that they are not our treasure. So we will deal with things of this world in such a way that we will, it will be evident that say that person has no treasure in those things. Nothing. That's what we'll do when we pursue Christ. Um, but rather that Christ is our treasure. That is, we will hold things loosely, share things generously, and ascribe value to things in relation to Christ. We will seek to live. We will seek to live for Christ, and let, let uh, what we buy, they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. And the last point, so I said the moment you focus on your things, you're no longer a disciple. So the moment you focus again on your treasures, on your things, you are hindered from following Jesus. And lastly, I said counting a loss means that if we lose any or all the things of the world can offer, we will not lose our joy. If you lose everything this world can offer you, 
you will not lose your joy. And our treasure and our life, because Christ is our joy, our treasure, and our life. So when you lose everything this world offers, you don't lose your joy, you don't lose your treasure, and you don't lose your life. Because that's who Christ is for you. That is who Christ is for you. So that is in smaller, smaller losses, we will not grumble. And in the greater losses, we will not grieve. We will grieve, but we will not grieve as those who do not have hope. So before I close, uh, not close, before I put my last point, no, no, I say I close, and then you see this guy's going on for another 10 minutes. So what is the pursuit of Jesus? It's no confidence in the flesh, nothing. Guys, this is a fight. This is war. If you, if you truly want to enjoy Jesus, if you truly want to be satisfied in Him, I can guarantee you it's not coming easy. You're going to fight for it. You're going to fight for it. None of the scripture that we read was there no cost connected. Nothing. When you renounce, there's a cost. When you go sell everything and buy something else, there's a cost. There's, there's a transaction involved. There's always a transaction involved for our time with Jesus. So the moment I, I, want, I watch a movie rather than reading my Bible, I just did a transaction. I just showed that my movie is more valuable than my reading of scripture. So we do transactions the whole time. We do transactions. If you work late nights and you skip your time with the Lord, man, you're doing a transaction. And we can go and preach another message on how Christ is sovereign over everything. So if you just pause a one hour, the world won't collapse. So if you just go home an hour earlier from work, tomorrow you'll wake up. You'll maybe have a bit of trouble at work, but life continues. Nothing more. So I'm not saying don't meet your deadlines, but <laughs> read your Bible. <laughs> and then everything is, we count things as a loss. So whenever you have to weigh, whenever you have to do this, you say, Christ, there's no way I cannot choose you. There's no way. There's no way I choose a movie above you. There's no way I choose a social time above you. There's no way. There's no way I choose a title or a position or, or preaching. I can't choose this above Christ. I can't, I can't do this. I can't choose preaching to people above me pursuing Christ. And I know the one advice that I got, and if you ever go into ministry, if you ever going to preach, they said value your time with Jesus even more than your preparation for a sermon. Make sure you're staying with Him. Because you get so lost in preparing this. Because it takes time. If you guys think we just stand up here, this takes me time. If I can boast, this takes me about 10 to 20 hours a week. To put out a half an hour sermon. It takes time. I'm sitting with the Lord. I'm revealing. I'm searching scripture. I'm making sure that I stay in contact. I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to scripture in all that I do. But I never count it as my, as my, I never put my confidence in it. I never, I never put my confidence. So I never put my confidence in the way I can unpack scripture. I come to a limit where God just needs to come in. But I cannot value this above Him. Have I? I have. I've made my mistakes. I have got so consumed. They're not in a, consumed in a bad manner. It's just that message wasn't what it wanted and I wanted more out of it. So I continued preparing for it. Um, but but I, I protect my time with the Lord all the more. Because see, it's Him that satisfied me. It's Him that sustains me. Then lastly, 
your pursuit of Jesus is crucial in this part, is knowing Him. The one thing that comes to the pursuit of Jesus is that you increase your knowledge with Him. Paul says, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing. Knowing, having understanding, having information, having knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let's define knowing Him. What's the knowing Him? It's head, heart, and action. You can't separate the three. When, when God says, you shall love me, you shall love me with your mind, your heart, and your, and your soul. So you can't separate the things. And, and we have a tendency, um, and maybe some of you are still on that side. I was a lot there. But we, we, we almost remove our natural ability to read and say, somehow the Spirit will reveal everything to you. Somehow you'll just, you just don't need to read your word and you don't need to pray. How do you pray in line? God didn't give us this word for nothing. It's Christ-inspired, but you can't just lean to the intellect side. You can't just lean to a place where you trust in your ability, in your reading, in your English grammar, and how good you can make connections. But you move it from your head. And so that means, I will meditate on your precepts. It's Psalms 119 verse 15. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. So I will think of your word. When I read your word, I think of your word. So like I shared a scripture in the beginning, if you don't, what did I section say? If you don't stand for anything, you will fall. Yeah, if, if you don't, unless you have faith, your faith is firm, you cannot stand firm. This is another translation. But then you go and think of that. Go and think of how is your faith? How, what, what does it mean to have faith that is firm? What does it mean to have faith that is not firm? Go and look into that. Go and apply your mind, your natural ability into that. But then you ask the spiritual. Paul many times used the, the both sides. To live, uh-uh, to die, to live, uh-uh. Christ to? Christ to die. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What do you see there? There's a natural and a supernatural side to that. There's a natural, to live is Christ, to live, but to die is gain. And then there's another one, sorry, where it says that Christ lives through me. I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. So there's this natural side to him and there's this supernatural side. And that's exactly the same when it comes to knowing Christ. Is we apply our minds to Scripture, but we don't remain there. We meditate. We need to meditate on Scripture. So we, we don't have the thing where it says, read your Bibles. It should be, meditate on your Bibles. I don't know it. I've read the Bible through and I could have missed it, but I don't know if the word ever says, read your word. It never says that. It always reference to meditate. Meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. So don't just merely read and say, wow, what a psalm. What a psalm. I'm, I'm planted at streams of water. What does it mean to be planted at streams of water? But you're planted. How do you know that you're planted? So start searching for Scripture. And I promise you the Spirit works with you. The Holy Spirit is there. There's revelation. There's ample of revelation for you. There is enough revelation for you. Enough to see things, how to apply them. There's only one meaning to Scripture that can't change, but there's so many applications that we can take from Scripture. So we want to move our head knowledge 
to our heart. And that we do by fixing our eyes on Jesus. So we don't read our word. We meditate on it. So we move our knowledge to our hearts. It becomes our reality. And hear what John 1 verse 2 to 3 says. It says, and by this we know that you have come to know him. If we keep his commands. The way that you will know that you know Jesus. You can measure it by your obedience. I'm honest. You can measure it by how obedient you are to Christ. The, your measure of obedience will determine your measure of knowing. Why? Because that's what Scripture says. It says that if you know Him, you will keep Him. If you love me, you will keep my commands. See, up to the point of salvation, no works. <laughs> but from the day of salvation, you better labor. You better labor going forward. So you don't work for your righteousness and you don't work for your salvation. But Christ didn't for nothing say, uh, Paul, Paul, I think Paul didn't for nothing say, work out your salvation with trembling and fear. He said, work it out. You better do it. You better work out your salvation. And so our, our knowing Him, your aim is that you know Him. Knowing Him is from head to heart to action. And sometimes action is studying more word. Sometimes action is literally applying changes in your life, saying, Christ, come and transform me, come and do new in me, sanctify me in this area. But we need to be after the knowledge, knowing Him. Knowing Him. Having intimacy. Think of the person you have the most joy with spending time. It should be greater than that. Who do you enjoy the most spending time? Time just goes by when you're with them. It should be better than that. And you should know more of Jesus than you know of that person. Because we know Scripture. And we know about Scripture. But is it in us? Is it part of us? Is it living through us? Then the last part there says, knowing Jesus is living the life that He lived. So knowing Jesus is saying, I'm taking up the life that Jesus lived and I'm living it out. I'm living it out. What hinders us? It's possibly where we are at as a community where religion is concerned. So this is a norm. For us to do this, this is new. This is, oh, this is not new. So this is not, a, this is not a privilege. Whereby in other countries this, where this is more privilege. And it's not to compare and say this side is better or this side is better. We can pursue Christ. We can have a genuine relationship with Christ as well. We don't need to be under harsh conditions, and I talk physically. We're under harsh conditions always spiritually, meaning you always fight for a time with Jesus. There's always some tension. There's always some war going on. It's not always physically beating and stuff, but we always have a fight. And see, our pursuit of Jesus is crucial. If you want to pursue Him, you've got to know Him. You really need to know Him. You really, really need to know Him. So, before I summarize and close, um, I just want the worship team to come back. Um, come back on you. Maybe you guys can just remove this. Then I want us just to stand. So, what I'm, what I'm totally convinced about tonight is that there's none of us here that don't want Jesus. 
I'm assured of that. But there's a fight inside of us. Like, and I know Christ, we, he, he wants us to put our confidence aside. He wants to help you put your confidence aside. And He wants us to, to count the loss. The worship, the whole worship team. Sorry, man. You guys can all come back. And so I just want you to close your eyes. And I, I know we do this a lot, that you close your eyes. And I'm not trying to take you on a journey uh, that's just merely fooling with your emotions. I really want you to genuinely experience Christ tonight. And that when you walk out of this building this evening, that you're just so hungry. And that, that Christ becomes all satisfying for you. That you just can't go without Him. You, you want Him to satisfy you. And that you're willing to fight all the more for your time with Him. So I just, as, the, as they are preparing, um, yeah, just wherever the, the Holy Spirit has convicted you this evening, um, I just want you to start praying in your heart and, and start repenting where you have put confidence in your flesh or where you have ch- exchanged Christ for something else or, or you're not counting things a loss. If you have options, you'll rather choose something else than Christ. And you're not willing to renounce everything or you're not ready to sell everything for Jesus. But you have a willingness in your heart. He's going to come and meet you. Let's just come and surrender to Christ. just surrender like surrender and and give your affection and just that you want Jesus the person not the idea not the concept the, the person Christ and that you're willing to fight for him fighting being with him fighting that he comes and satisfy you in everything in your work in everything that you do that he's the the all satisfying in every moment to be 
to be our all-satisfying treasure, Lord. It's like, I just want to assure you that if you're standing here this evening, that Jesus wants you. He wants you to want Him as well. He really wants you, and He's, and he's ready to meet every need. Those needs and the, the places that you're seeking to be satisfied in other areas, Jesus Himself is ready to be your joy. let's just sing this last song together and just in a total pursuing of Jesus that we is priceless to us and we want to go after him with everything we have just lift our hands to heaven God I thank you that you are coming to satisfy all of us this evening Lord God I thank you that you're coming to bless us God I thank you that we will have amazing experiences with you after this Lord God times of revelation where we are beholding wondrous things from your word God I thank you for times where we are at our weakest God but you are lifting us And we are literally experiencing that lifting of you, God. God, I pray that you become so real to us, God. That you will no longer be distant, God. You'll no longer be out there, Lord, but you'll be with us in our hearts. As you say, you come and make home in our hearts. So, Lord, I thank you, God, that you have won the war, Lord. You have defeated the enemy, God. He that tries to get us away and disconnected from you, God, you have defeated him. All of us standing here and victorious in our lives in every area of life, Lord. We are victorious. 
we are victorious. We are victorious. It says, greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. You are greater, Lord, because you're in us. And Lord, whether we're at home, whether we're at work, whether we're with family, whether we're with friends, whether we're reaching out, God, or in our connect groups, small groups, God, that you will be our joy. God, and I just pray that you bless us, God, and keep us, and that we remain in you, Lord. He said if we remain in the vine, we get pruned, and then we, we bear more fruit. So, Father, I pray for protection over each person here this evening, Lord, and that you will keep them. God, I pray that you implant a confidence in them, God, that you can keep them, Lord. That you can protect everyone here, Lord, no matter the situation. Father, I pray from this evening on forward that we will pursue you like never before. There's no price, there's no price that we can put on you say that is too much to pay to know you. We'll pay prices, God. We'll make our exchanges to get to know you in our minds, in our hearts, and in action. God, we may we not stop obeying you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.